And one year he, we always used to go to unions um, basketball camp. And one year his mom was like, do they want to go to this camp that we bring Dion to? It was in Newark and it was run by um, Brevin. So we were like, sure. Yeah, let's go. So we went to this camp and I met him. I had to have been like elementary school, maybe like fifth grade, the oldest. And I was just like, he is awesome. He was so friendly, so encouraging, like really tried to make me better in the week. And I just like, I just really took a liking to him. So then once um, he was playing for Charlotte, we used to go and watch when he was at playing the Nets in Jersey and we would go to the games and we get to see him after. And it was always like, you know, you just felt if he made us feel really special, even though, you know, we were just little kids, but, and from then on, I always wanted to wear his number. So. Wow. I did. That's crazy. Isn't that funny? We definitely did. We probably crossed paths because I used to be at the camps all the time. Wow. Yeah. That's what Aaron said. I was like, that's so funny. And like, I honestly don't even remember like anybody there at this point. Like I, couldn't remember anything, but we told we had to have been. Oh wow, that's that's super crazy. He's going he's going to be extremely excited when I share that story with him because his his schedule and whatnot uh, something came up, so we weren't able to do the show yet. So we still trying mm-hmm. to figure. Out. As I tell him that yo, there was somebody from your camp that we crossed paths. She wore twenty two because of you. That's yeah. when Aaron told me that I'm like, yo, he was like, yo, y'all should try to see if you could get them on together. And I'm like, I would think that would be huge and perfect, but we would have to figure out your schedule because his schedule with, he's an analyst now for the uh, Grizzlies. So. Oh, cool. I was going to ask what he was doing. Yeah. He lives in Memphis now, I believe in Memphis, but he's an analyst for the Grizzlies. So with doing that, he started his own podcast. His schedule is super busy and of course I he can has, imagine he has a family and everything like that so well when we, when we have him on i'll let you know see if you could hop on for like five ten minutes if you want yeah i had with. we used to play one-on-one like at, right after camp i would make my dad wait i'm like no dad i'm playing one-on-one against brevin like you have to wait <laughs> uh, uh, hey, uh, greg melissa melissa greg Nice Hi, to Greg. meet you. Nice to meet you, Melissa. Nice to meet you too. I've been excited about this interview for a little bit, so I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> Thanks. I'm looking forward to it too. It's been a little while since I've been interviewed, so we'll see it's how not, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more like a discussion. It's not really even like an interview. Like it's not that. Yeah. Fun. Don't, yeah. Don't, it's all right. <laughs> I've seen some, so I feel I feel pretty good. Yeah. And uh, before we hop on, right? So. I see that you always, from the views, you watch our stories and whatnot. From your opinion, as somebody that follows us, um, what would you say you would like to see more of or would like to see different? Because I see you be watching it, but you don't vote on the poll. So is there something like a poll? Uh, no, that's just, that's just me. So I can start voting. I'm just like, I'm like a, I click, but I read it and then I'm just like, oh. But I could definitely start voting. But I think the fact that you said that you want to have some more women on would be great. Um, just to get some different perspectives. Um, but no, I think what you guys do is great. I, I like tuning in and hearing from different people and the discussion. So um, that would be my biggest thing. Um, and that's why when you asked, I was like, this would be interesting just to get, because I feel like I'm very different than anyone else you've had. So just bringing like a different perspective. Yes, that was the whole mindset behind it. Um, so once we're done, if you know of anybody, your sister, anybody that want to hop on, we would gladly accept them on. Uh, so we definitely want more females on. We're working on having a model hop on at some point uh, this month. So we're trying to have it a little bit more diversified. Yeah, sure. I'll think about it. I'll think about who else, you know, would bring a cool perspective. I'll think about it for sure. All right, Greg, you ready, my boy? I am ready. And it's super dope to see you said you, you, you into the show because it's still kind of mind-blowing to me that people tune in, you know? 
Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. When you hear people say that, yep. it's like, wow. Like, you really went in and listened to me talk nonsense. On a- <laughs> like- it's like, it's also crazy to think, like, when people say I want to start something like that, like, I give you so much credit because, one, it's scary. And two, you know, the fact that you can keep coming up with things to talk about that interests other people, like, that's <laughs> kind of impressive. So, you know, I give you guys a lot of credit. Hey, Tone is the is the is the mastermind behind the whole project, man. So he deserves it. This is his baby. I just jumped on for the ride, but no, it's been a lot of fun since I got on here, and it's it's really cool. Like I've always wanted to do this. It's like a dream come true for me. So, in whatever capacity I get to do it, I enjoy it. It's great. All right, we are back for another episode of the Bitch Mob Podcast. This is episode sixty three changes is coming we're not going to even you know switch it up to season three two one we're just going to let y'all know the progress this is the 63rd episode of the bench mob podcast and we have today such a special guest my friend she was at my wedding her husband well um dope god aaron williams um shout out to him we've had him on the show also so this is really dope to now have his girlfriend also on the show like that's great, but I'm going to introduce her to you guys that don't know. This is, give it a second, she has a lot of accolades. Division oh three, all-decade team, all-American team, Montclair State, she is second in scoring, second in field goal percentage, second in blocks, third in steals, fourth in three-point field goals, and fourth in scoring average. The person I'm talking about is Melissa Toby. Thank you for hopping on tonight. How are you feeling? Well, thank you for having me, Antonio and Greg. Um, that was a long list. I don't, like, I don't really, I was telling you before, like, I don't, when I was doing it, I was just kind of, you know, that was just everyday business. So when you hear it all back, it's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> but um, I'm really appreciative to have you guys on, or to have you guys having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about. Mentioning that, so you say, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier that hearing it now, it's like, wow, I accomplished a lot. When you went there, did you have any goals set out to be like, hey, I'm setting this goal to be the best scorer? Like, what were your goals going into this? Because you have a illustrious career, well-known. What was your mindset going into college? For me, um, so I went to Rosal Catholic High School and in high school we had um, a lot of success. So for me, it was more about the team aspect and I wanted to win. Like first and foremost, I wanted to win games. So when I was looking at colleges and you know all the different levels, D1, D2, D3, and what opportunities I had, I wanted to go to a place where I knew I could make an impact and we could win games. Did I ever think we would make a final four? No. Um, I don't think at that point it had even like registered to me that that was a possibility. Um, I just wanted to go in and win and do whatever I needed to do. And however I could contribute to that, I was ready to do it. Um, And then as I, you know, I went in as a freshman and as I began playing, then I would set some goals for myself within a specific season, but going in, um, as a freshman, I just knew that I wanted to win. That's Very team-oriented. That's not an answer you hear that often when you talk to people about why they made a college decision, specifically when they're about to play a sport there. You usually hear, like, hey, where am I? I just wanted to go where I was going to go play, right? Like, obviously, no one wants to lose, but, you know, the answer is always, hey, I want to go play. Like, that's where I want to go have an impact. It's The winning usually comes second, but the winning was first with you, and that's really, really interesting. I mean, it says a lot about you. And I think also, especially, I mean, it's such a hot topic of I went D1, I went D1 and what that means. And could I have done that looking back? Yes. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have been part of a team that was so successful. Um, And to me, that was what was more important. And there are people that, you know, choose the D1 path because they need the free ride and their education. And obviously those are very important things. And I'm, fortunate enough that um, I actually got an academic scholarship there. So I had to pay for room and board and some other stuff, but 
I got some, I got my education paid for, but um, I, that wasn't, that didn't need to be a determining factor for me, which I was, like I said, I'm very fortunate. So I wanted to go somewhere where from a basketball standpoint, I was going to be able to win. Well, there you have it right there, Greg. We've talked about <laughs> so many episodes, the importance to our younger uh, listeners of the education aspect. Talented on the court, but she got there a full ride because of academics. Now, going into it, you mentioned you didn't go to D1 route. Were there D1 offers? Who was who were you looking at? Who were possibilities? Um, or was it always, hey, I was going to Montclair State. This is my chance where I could win and make an impact. So I was um, in high school. I was kind of a late bloomer. So from the recruiting standpoint, um, you know, I was on Montclair's radar for a while and a lot of division three schools, but the division one schools sort of showed in- interest later. So I had um, St. Peter's, I had Sacred Heart, um, St. Francis. Um, so there were a lot of local schools, not a lot, but a couple of local schools. Um, but like I said, it was later. So I went on those visits, but I had already been to Montclair. I'd been to games at Montclair. I'd met the coaching staff. It was just, I just felt so comfortable there. And then from then on, every school that I went to, I was comparing to it. And, you know, nothing seemed to really push me to go somewhere else because I was just so comfortable. And like I said, I knew that there was going to be success. And Coach Harvey had talked to me about, you know, she saw that she thought I could make an impact and we could really try and bring this program to a new level. So all of that really factored in. But like I said, it was, I was more of a late bloomer. So it was, it was a different recruiting experience for me. Hey, Greg, just so you know, we were in college at the same time. I was at a college that was in the division that played against her. She definitely made an impact at Montclair State. It, left, it had a lot of girls up late at night having to play Montclair State. Oh, God. Thanks, Antonio. <laughs> you got Willie P, right? No? He was Willie P, right? Yeah, Willie P. Not nah, in at NJCU. I started off at NJCU. She caused problems at NJCU for two years. Then I went to William Patterson. I got, to William, I got to a whole other school. They're like, nah, Toby. We got to <laughs> Uh, no, that's crazy. She definitely was a team player because I would watch the game. And you know our mindset, too. If you were a killer, we just, hey, just go kill. You really could have averaged like 25, 30 points every night. But you were such a team player, which I think obviously helped in your success. Where did that originate in Starfield with being team first? Because as I mentioned, a lot of players that were as talented as you, tend to be a little bit more selfish and like to get shots up and things of that nature, but you were team first all four years. I think it's just like the, the environment that I grew up in and developed my game in like my AAU team. It was always about team first, you know, winning games, even in AAU when you're supposed to be um, showcasing yourself. But the fact of the matter is if you're winning games, coaches come and watch you play. So they come to good games. So all of that ties together. Um, so it's just always been ingrained in me in high school. We played team basketball. Like it was, it's just what I've always known. So to be honest, like when I see something else, I'm like, I don't even, it's hard for me to understand it. And I know that it's there and you know, there's a lot of people like that. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not what I, how I grew up playing basketball and on other sports I played um, soccer, which is very much a team game because it's there's 11 of them and on a field. Um, so I just think that that's always kind of been what I've been around, fortunately. That's, that's definitely a, a good foundation um, to have because a lot of people don't have that foundation. Um, as, as you mentioned, especially in the AAU circuit, uh, me and Greg have talked to numerous of AAU players and coaches and that's all that they see a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it, as you said, if you win, that's when the coaches come see. That's when the recruits come see them. Yeah. Yeah, and I coach. Here. For real, because I – and I didn't mean to cut you off, Melissa, but okay. I you know, I coach AAU for a program called Unity Legends. 
And I've traveled all over the place and seen AAU teams like it's like they're sabotaging themselves, right? For the sake of two guys that are pretty talented getting 30 points, but they don't realize that it's like, hey, look, no one's going to see you play because you're not going to make it past this part of the tournament. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's super, super important. That, that, was, that was a really key thing to hit on there. But I'm sorry, as you were saying. Well, I was going to say the same thing. I coached um, AU basketball for all through college and beyond. So for six or so seasons, um, and it's the, that's always what I tried to preach. And I think it that's just something I believe in. And I think that it pays off. You know, if you play team basketball, you look at the success in the NBA, in college, the most successful teams, you know, they all play together. It's not just one person. Yeah, they have a star. But if everyone's not gelling and vibing together, you're not going to be able to take it to that next step. Well, you know, you are obviously a leader on your team, right? I'm on Claire State, right? So... How did you deal with and, and I know that the coach has a responsibility as a shared burden, right? The leader, the coach has that shared burden of dealing with the egos and personalities on a team, right? But how did you help deal with that throughout your tenure at Montclair State? I think from a leading standpoint, um, I always because we we um I became a captain my sophomore year and we actually had this training program of like um, we read a book about being a captain and we talked through a lot of stuff with the coaching staff. But one thing I took away is that I realized that I was one that tended to lead by example. So in every drill, every sprint, every lift, like I always wanted to be the one that was working the hardest because then I felt like I could turn to my peer who may have been not working as hard on that given instance. And I could say like, Hey, you have to we got to keep going. And I think accountability is a huge piece in leadership. Um, and I'm seeing that in work and in basketball and in life. Like if you're not accountable for what you're doing and you don't hold others accountable, you know, you're not going to get everybody to move into that direction you're trying to go. So it was always about accountability for me. And I felt like I could hold others accountable if I was holding myself accountable. So that's what leading was always about. And just always preaching that team game. Again, if I played that type of style, it was easier for me to ask that of my peers. And we got everybody to buy into that type of success. That's a major key, what you just said at the end right there too, everybody having to buy in. And with the success you had, it was obvious between your leadership and the job of your coach that people did buy in. I kind of want to go back, you know, let's, let's, let's go a little back to your origin story, where did the love of the game start for you? You mentioned you were a late bloomer. Did you start playing late or did your talents flourish late? Um, so it was kind of a little bit of both. I grew up playing soccer first and then I did gymnastics and I never was like a softball player, but I played a lot of soccer. I did travel soccer through right up until high school. So um, I started playing basketball. I would go to camps when I was little, but I started in third grade. I had my dad as my coach. Um, and then, um, but still I was, you know, I had to get to soccer practice. I was doing a lot of soccer. And then when I got into high school, um, a few of my teammates at Roselle Catholic were going to be playing on this AAU team. And I said, that looks, you know, that's going to be fun if we can all play together and get better so that we could win more games in the, in the winter. I was like, okay, sure. I'll go do that. And then um, really it was that freshman, the summer after my freshman year where I really took a strong liking to basketball, um, made it my priority, grew a couple more inches, which helped. Um, but uh, that's really, that's really when it, that love of the game really came. So it was later for me. Um, so, you know, people were talking about loving NBA and whatever as a, as a kid, like that really wasn't, that's not how I grew up. I didn't watch a lot of NBA back then, but now, I mean, I watch a lot of college basketball. I enjoy the NBA. So it was definitely a later, um, bloom for me. And then my skills picked up in high school as well. Greg, no, that's crazy for it. Heard it basically start in high school, start like, and the stuff I just read off, right? Like, bruh, I didn't know that. that. That's news to me. I always just thought you were getting buckets and winning from like 
fourth grade or something, but that's even yeah, crazy. You know, I play I played in school, but like just in the season, you know. That's all. So the list of accomplishments is, is so long, you can't fit on my screen. I have it up right here on my second monitor right here. So the, the idea that you started late, right? And that's actually, you know, you that's a good segue into my next question. As you were saying that, I was like, hey, like, what, what does that look like? How do you get to that level? Because there was hard work that went into that, right? Obviously, outside of just playing AAU, when your passion was sparked for the game and you really, really got into it, seriously, like how many workouts were you a day were you putting in? Like, when did it really ramp up in that regard? So once I started AU, you know, we were in the gym a couple of times a week. Um, but then like after school, I wasn't getting picked up on time. So I would throw my sneakers on and shoot around or just take free throws or, um, you know, go for a run or what have you. So I think that kind of went to my benefit that I wasn't picked up right away because I was able to, you know, get that extra time. And then as my sister, so I, my sister Kate is three years younger than me. Um, so as she got a little bit older, then we both sort of played a little bit together and would stay. She was a freshman when I was a senior. Um, so in high school, we would, I mean, we were in the gym all the time that last year of high school. Um, but yeah, an AU, extra workouts. I had a great coach, um, Mary Alice Zavaki. She was my a U coach and she would always host extra workouts for us. We were in the gym all the time and it was high level, like, you know, not just shooting around standing still. It was always constant up and down and all those reps, you know, those game like reps really helped me. Now, the more you play, the better you get. That's, I'm a big mm -hmm. proponent of that. Like, I tell people that all the time. Hey, you want to get better at basketball, play basketball, like go play. You know, yeah. <laughs> right big part of it you mentioned soccer how much do you think that helped your game because I've heard a lot of times people that play soccer even if they just come play pickup I've seen it personally the footwork with soccer players coming over to play basketball Greg I'm pretty sure you could test of it it's hard to get past soccer players when they play in defense if they're good at soccer their footwork mm -hmm. is crazy yeah you think that the soccer game help your game uh, for basketball? I do. And aside from the footwork, which Antonio, that's a great point. Um, the other thing are passing angles, which mm. on a soccer field, it's a lot bigger, obviously, but just like, you know, you have to anticipate the next pass in soccer a lot too. So I feel like something with that also helped my court vision when mm. I translated to basketball. Um, I thought that was a big proponent too. And I mean, especially my sister, Kate was definitely the better soccer player for sure. And she's a fantastic basketball player as well. Um, but she was a point guard in college. And I think for her, soccer really helped her court vision. I mean, she could make any pass. You, didn't, you don't even see it coming and she was making it. So I think that that helped translate in basketball for sure. And also just keeping me in really great shape. I played soccer all four years of high school. Um, so I would go to a soccer game and then go to AU practice, practice soccer, then go to AU. So I was running miles every day. Um, I was in such great shape just from that up and down. Makes me wish I played. That's soccer. a different kind of that's a different kind of endurance. <laughs> it, it really is. That field is huge. That field is yeah. huge. And to go to her point about passing angles and soccer and how it translates to being a good basketball player. You know who another great soccer player was that ended up being an NBA Hall of Famer? Steve Nash. Great passer. You know, it's the proof in the pudding. Yeah. Thought about as you were saying it. For sure. I played soccer for a little bit, but they always made me goalie. So then I got upset. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not with this because everybody actually like were really good. I was trying to score the goals, but they was like, nah, this is not your sport. So maybe that would have helped me, you know, doing some soccer, but hey, it is what it is. You mentioned your sister, right? How much did that affect your game? Um, how much did it help? You know, I'm sure y'all had y'all one-on-one battles, and I know you mentioned that you guys are constantly in the gym together. How much was that um, a factor? How cool was it? If I, if I remember correctly, Kate went to MSU also, right? She did, yeah. So how dope was that? being that your younger sister was able to go to the same school as you and have success. 
Yeah, it's funny you say um, the one-on-one piece. And with Kate and I, it was really never like competitive in that way. We were always on the same team, which I feel like is another interesting or not as normalized as like, I feel like a lot of time you're playing against your sibling. And, you know, once in a while we would, but we're always there rooting for each other and practicing together, work, you know, doing stuff on the same team. And then um, when she decided that she wanted to go to Montclair for her college career, I mean, I was so excited. Um, you know, she'd been around the program just because I was there and she would come to the games and everything. But I was like, this is going to be so awesome. She ended up being the starting point guard as a freshman. We went to the final four. I mean, to be able to say that we went to the final four together was, it's just, I still like think about those, those moments and, you know, reminisce because you're just never going to forget it. I mean, it was amazing. And then she went on and had a ton more success at Montclair. Also she had a thousand assists. Um, so she made out pretty good. Um, but it was so much fun. I mean, we loved playing together. We got to go to college together for a year, which just in general is really fun. Um, so yeah, it was great. I can't, I can't even imagine. Like I have siblings that play to play basketball and whatnot. Obviously it's my sisters, but I can't imagine how dope that would be to be at the same college, to be on the same team and have that type of success. That's rare. That's something like you said, yeah. you ever forget um after college for you transitioning were there any offers to go pro if so like why didn't you go pro as I said multiple times throughout the show you had the talent I'm I wouldn't be surprised to see you on tv one day but you chose a different (laughs) tell us about that so I think when I was playing, um, even my senior year, I was so wrapped up in what was going on and, you know, in the living in the moment, like actually. Um, And then I talked to my coach, Coach Harvey, about playing overseas and what that would mean. And just thinking about like what I wanted for my future outside of basketball as well. Um, And just started weighing my options. And I talked to Um, she had a connect about who could, you know, just give me some more information on what that would mean playing overseas. um, Cause I didn't really know much about it. Um, But I just like, you know, I could have went to a a different country and do that. But then what ended up happening is as I was finishing my undergraduate degree, I had an opportunity to go to grad school for free. Mm -hmm and got grad school paid for. So it was kind of like, you know, which one, like, and, and I, I look back on it and there are times where I'm like, damn, I wish I played and would have been a really cool experience. Um, But you also can't really regret things because it all happens for a reason. So I'm in a great position now. I was able to get a college, a master's degree um, debt-free. So you know, it all happens for a reason. I feel like I still try to be connected in basketball. I was coaching for a while. I took a break um, right when I got my job, um, but plan on going back to coaching, which I love to do. So, you know, I play in some leagues now, but, um, you know, there are days I think about it and I'm like, I could have done it, um, but no regrets. Well, shout out to you for a you got free college, the undergrad, the master's, and I'm sure Greg could attest. That would have to be a hard decision. Like it would have to be such a perfect ideal situation to go to another country and pass up. It's people still paying back for yeah. the grad and masters. Right. And you think about, especially in women's basketball, like what the money looks like, unless I was playing at, the highest level in China, which probably wasn't realistic for me, at least right out of the gate, you know, was the money really, and it's not, shouldn't all be about money. I get it. But like, for me, that was a factor because it was either I was going to go and make average money or get a free master's degree. So for me, that was kind of the determining factor. I do think 
you know, hopefully we can get to a point where the women are getting paid like the men are. And I understand that, you know, they don't draw as big of crowds and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, a woman in the United States shouldn't have to go to China to make money and play basketball. Like, that's just, that's just what it is. Um, So hopefully one day we can get there. But at, at this point, that's not where it is. So that was, you know, it was a factor. Rightfully so. You you don't right rightfully so. Like of course, as you said, money isn't everything. But in a situation like that, you're graduating college, you want to have a comfortable life, and it's definitely, definitely a big difference you see from the women's game when it comes to the pay scale, and even just like what the past season, the WNBA just now starting to add different things of like having a lead if you have a child and changing things up in the locker room people being able to get their own hotel rooms on the road. Like they would normally have to share rooms or pay more. Like it's. Isn't that mind boggling? Like to think about a a male college athlete, like at Duke is getting treated better than these professionals. (laughs) Like it's crazy, but it's what it is, you know, and they continue to fight for um, equal pay or just more than what they're getting. Um, and they're going to continue to do that. And I think they have every right to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you, as you were like, you know, talking about that, too, I, I couldn't help but think about Becky Hammond in the NBA and her, get, her I think she's going to be a head coach in the NBA, which is really, really awesome. Um, yeah. How do you know, how do you feel about that? You know, just kind of seeing her come up, obviously, you know, a great player. <laughs> I get her day too. So like, it's just a full circle path. What, what, what's your take there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I woke up the next morning, I wasn't watching that game and I saw all the news about it and I was, I was excited. I posted about it. I thought it was great. Um, but then Greg Popovich's answer was even better, right? Like he's talking about how for him, he was like, you know, I get this is a big deal, but for me, she's a qualified coach and, you know, but at the same time, it is a huge deal and it should be celebrated because it hasn't happened before. Um, and she's paving the way for women in sports, um, in male, you know, in national, in professional sports. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome. And I, I agree. I think she's going to get her chance and the team that does it, um, you know, good for them, but she's going to get her chance because she's qualified, right? Not just because she's a woman, like she, she earns it. Um, which I think is, is great. And hopefully there'll be more and she can inspire somebody else who is climbing the totem pole and, you know, sees her success and, you know, says, I can do that too. And across the board. So very um, excited know, for her. We definitely have a lot of um, positive things happening for women in sports from Becky Hammond to, I am so upset. I don't remember her name, but the young female who actually kicked in a college football game, she's a kicker yes. for. Uh, oh college- shoot. Yeah. On Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think her first name was Sarah. I may be, I may be way off. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we should Google it. I'm Googling yep. it now. Uh, you got that right? Um, I got you, I got you. That was another one. I was so pumped. And then people were trying to say, oh, she only kicked so-and-so yards. Like, stop. You oh, know? here's her. Still- I, I was right. Sarah Fuller is her name. Fuller. There we go. Sarah Fuller. Like, things like that, Um, I think, is huge because I'm pretty sure you could attest to it. We've seen it in TV. We've seen it in movies where you see the young girl who wants to play football or the young girl who wants to coach the boys basketball team. And they always tell them it's not possible. You can't do it. And now we're seeing it more and more and more. So I think that's extremely dope. I think it'll be, it'll have to change. Definitely. I can see within our lifespan, things looking a lot differently, especially when, especially when we start having kids. Like, I think it'll definitely, for our kids and their generation, it'll be a, a whole different landscape for sports when it comes to that for uh, females in sports. Absolutely. I'm excited to see what happens. Now, do you, I know you watch NBA. Um, do you watch the WNBA at all? And if you do, like, are there any players that you, you know, you really like, you pay attention to? 
So I'll be honest, I definitely watch more NBA than WNBA. Um, but I do watch, we were watching, um, especially this past summer, we were, we tuned in a bunch. Um, I mean, the Seattle storm are unreal. When I actually played against Brianna Stewart in an AU game, uh, I think she was only a sophomore and I think I was going into college. I still played some AU. So I think it was, I mean, she was younger, but I played at Kane University actually against her and she was very good then. Um, and I followed her career throughout UConn um, and now as a pro, I just think I really admire her game. I feel like her and I have some similarities in how we play, obviously I, not at yeah. that scale, but yeah, I, do. I, I feel, some- <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I can, you know, I relate to her a little bit. Um, so I enjoy watching her play for sure. Um, but there's so many, I mean, especially like these last couple of years, there've been some great athletes coming out of college. Um, and I think what's great about the WNBA is a lot of them also have their degree when they're done with college. Um, so, you know, past basketball, they're, they're set. Um, but yeah, she's definitely my number one, I would say. Growing up, were, were there any players, once you got, you know, you found the love and the passion for it, were there any players in general that you, you looked up to or you watched a lot that you try to model your game after? Well, growing up, like once I really started following basketball, there was Kobe Bryant, obviously, um, who was just unreal. Um, and that whole mentality, his Mamba mentality, um, definitely rang true and you know I resonated with that and then also another one that I felt again not comparing myself and saying that I'm by any means like him but Kevin Durant was another guy that I like took a liking to um he's just he's able to score anywhere and anytime um and uh you know I just felt again I felt like similar both kind of on the skinnier side not as physical but still able to hold your own um in the post and his handle is ridiculous way better than mine was um but uh you know he's another one that I enjoy watching and it's really cool now that he's in Brooklyn and closer hopefully once we can actually go to games I'll be able to uh watch him live mm-hmm. before, before Greg before you go I, I, know, <laughs> I know you want to talk about that now before you go <laughs> are super humble so i'll say it for you for those that are listening melissa definitely has similarities kd rihanna stewart lauren jackson all of them so she's not going to say it i'll say it for her she can score all three levels but go ahead greg Nah, about the nets you know i'm a, I'm a big nets fan i've been a nets fan since i was a kid uh been to the the, the dreary days and in, in the uh, continental and everything like that. So I, I'm mm-hmm. really hyped about the Nets right now. And you know what? You bringing that up, you know, I, I, I want maybe think, you know, do you have any favorite team in the NBA that you, that you follow or is it more like just like following in general? So I really just like watching good games. Um, Aaron's favorite team is the Celtics. So I will definitely root for the Celtics, but I also would say I'm pulling for the Nets, um, which is a little contradictory. Um and honestly, with the Knicks kind of on the rise, like I'm hopeful that I would just love to have competitive basketball in this area yes. that we could be excited about. <laughs> um, so, you know, definitely hopeful. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I also really like Brad Stevens. So when Brad Stevens went to uh, the Celtics, I was excited about that. Um, so you know, I'm always down to root for the Celtics. Oh, now you're, so, you're good at, Nets in there. She's good with me. You're good with me. You're a Nets. You know, you're as far as I'm concerned, you're a Nets fan. All I need to hear. Pro Nets. Pro Nets. <laughs> <laughs> um, unless Greg has something else, this is probably the last thing before we transition to the with the quickness segment. During your tenure at MSU, four-time in Jack champs. You guys ran the inject. Now you got to the championship. I looked at the stats. Three time. I was three time. I want to make three, sure. Three time. Yeah. We lost freshman year. <laughs> freshman. In the semis. So 
would a run like you remember that, the losses? Would a run <laughs> how how was that for you to go on and run a three times straight? You end off your year, graduate. How was that? Because in the inject, that was a pretty competitive. You know, Dad, why can't I think of the name? Competitive conference. I don't know why mm-hmm. I would think of the word conference. <laughs> competitive conference. How was that to be able to – you guys won it three times. Yeah, it was definitely competitive um, and physical, which, you know, it goes a long way when you have to endure more than half of your season in a conference like that. Like, you're getting beat up, you know, so – you play the teams, a lot of the teams twice, like you would think you're bound to squeeze out a loss here and there. And we did, um, but we were really fortunate. We were able to host a lot of, or all of the um, conference uh, championship games, which obviously helped. We had um, great support, but be, I also think playing in the NJAC made us better when it came time for the NCAA tournament. Cause like I said, it was physical it was competitive, even for teams that were having down years. Like they, we were, we had targets on our backs, so they always brought it. Um, so we didn't have time to take a game off and relax. Like we always had to bring it because they were coming for us. Um, so yeah, it, I, it was great to play in the NJAC. There were some really talented players that I played against and that I played with. Um, so it was cool to be able to say that we did that and they, Montclair, you know, we started a legacy. They went on and won it the next three years, at least. I think it was the next three years. So it's pretty cool. That's that's super dope. Like you said, it started a legacy. Um, Montclair State, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, when it came to Jersey and in, in, in D3, to me, y'all was like UConn, essentially. It was every year – Montclair State was the team that, you know, everybody had to worry about every single year. Um, and you mentioned the, the tournament. What was out of your college career, all of the success, you're in the tournament that near every year, winning in jacks, setting and breaking records. What is the most memorable, if you had to choose one, which is hard in your illustrious career, what is some of – what? What is some of the memorable moments for your career? This is, it's kind of an easy question. Um, The most memorable was our final game um, because, so we played in the final four and we lost in the semifinals, but our year we had a consolation game. So we were able to come back the next day and play against the other team that lost, which was Tufts. Um, And it was the most fun game. I still, there's a link that we can go watch it. I watch it every so often because it was just so much fun. Didn't start off great. We were still nervous or whatever, but then when we finally just like let go and all, we all looked at each other and realized like, this is the last time we're going to get to play together. And we had so much fun all year. Um, Last time I was going to be able to play with my sister um, and my teammate Janitza, the other senior, the two of us had played so many games together. So we just kind of looked at each other and maybe it was like halftime and we just said, this is it. Like, let's go out and have fun. And we were laughing, like we were laughing on the court and we ended up winning the game, which probably helped. Um, but it was just like, it was such an awesome feeling. So there were a lot of games. Um, you remember a lot of the losses, to be honest, um, more than the wins. But uh, that was one that I'll never forget. I'd have to say. Oh, it wasn't a lot of losses, but go ahead, Greg. <laughs> I'm saying I'm looking at the, the numbers, and it's like it's your game was complete. Like you had, you had a season where you were top ten in almost every statistical category, like second in scoring, seventh in rebounding, third in field goal percentage, right? And you know, I'm tooting your horn here, right? But like, what what do you credit to having a complete game? Because that's not something that every basketball player, in fact. Most basketball players don't have a complete game, right? It's not something that's very common. So what do you attribute that to? I think the reason that I focus on other parts of my game other than scoring is because the fact of the matter is you're going to have an off night shooting the ball. 
So for me, again, going back to that team aspect, like seriously, my mentality was, all right, if you're going to suck on the offensive end and can't score, like what else can you do? What else can you bring to help your team? So you can rebound, you can make good passes. um, You can be aggressive on defense, try and get steals. Like you can do all of those things without making a basket. I had a game, um, I think it was the Sweet 16 game senior year against Bowdoin, I had one field goal and 10 free throws made. Like I could not find the basket, but you know, then I was like, all right, well, you're going to guard their best player. So try not to let her get a lot of points, get some rebounds, push in transition, like do something else so that at least my time on the court means, you know, I'm still earning that and contributing. So I think that that's really where it came from. It was always just like, the scoring's not going to come. What else can you do? That is that is a great, great, like, mindset. And also, just for the listeners that are listening to this and the YouTube, wa- you know, watchers that are going to watch this on YouTube, you had a lot of buckets, too. It wasn't like, oh, you, there weren't many bad nights. Like, it was – you were the first – I see here, like, you were the first um, player in school history, program history, to get 500 points, grab 250 rebounds, record 100 assists, 70 blocks, and – 70 steals in a single season. That, my friend, is OD. Like, what? That's crazy. So, no, I mean, um, it's rarefied area you're in right now. But, I mean, this, this is this is really dope. Kind of picking your brain and hearing a little more about your mindset on a night-to-night basis and what goes into it. Because I, I think that it's really understated, like, the importance of just doing other things on the corporate side for the basketball, right? And it made you that much more viable for your team. Definitely, Greg. It, it's – And it's things that, you know, if you're looking to get recruited, it goes a long way. Like coaches see that stuff there. Yes. If you can score the ball, great. But what else can you bring? You know, there's a lot of people that can score the ball. So what else are you doing for your team? How's your body language? How are you carrying yourself? What's your attitude like? All those things. All those things that people don't think that are that important are super, super important, obviously. And, and you know, you mentioned AAU, and um, I know I'm backtracking here, but um, you mentioned you coach it and then you played it. You happen to coach the same AAU program that you played for when you were growing up? And also, what AAU program is that? For a shout out here as well. Yeah, so um, I did. I played and then was able to coach for the same AAU program, uh, the New Jersey Crusaders. Um, I started coaching third graders and I actually coached them all the way through um, eighth grade, them going into their freshman year. Um, and now they're juniors in high school. And it's crazy to think that they're looking for schools of their own to go play at. But um, it was so much fun. I mean, I had a great group. So many of them. I had a couple from third grade all the way through eighth grade. Same girls. Um and, you know, preaching what I believe in and what I find as the core values for basketball, um, that's what I taught. And they bought into it. And they're very successful right now. A couple of them are pretty successful. So Nothing better than giving back like that, honestly. Word. That's super dope. Um, I know your coach, all your coaches, they were able to sleep good at night having you on the squad with everything you just said of your mentality of, let me do more than score. Let me have a complete game. So I know without having to talk to them, you made your coach's job very easy. We're coming to the end of the interview. Before we transition, I have to ask one question because I think it's so dope that you do it. I think it's great. Um, tell me where your, where your mindset, where your love came for speaking out on social justice issues, on equality. I see you're often posting it. I see that you you are an ally. I see that you post for equal rights for women. You do all of it. Where did that come from? Because I can say on the outside looking in, you use your platform for the right reason. So where did that come from to actually speak up on these things? Thank you for that. Um, well, first, I think that growing up, my parents always, um, you know, instilled that in me and told me that I should stand up for what I believe in. Um, But also I've had, so, you know, I come from an all white family. I've lived a very privileged life. Um, So 
having to take a step back and just listening to other people, I thought was really important. And it just came to a point where seeing what was going on in this country, it was upsetting, disturbing, disgusting. Um, and I actually had one of my former teammates who um, I value her very strongly, um, Taylor Jeffers. She was two years older than me, um, but we had talked about social justice issues before this. Um, and, you know, it came to a point where things were happening like around May and June with George Floyd and everything. And, you know, it's everything started happening so quickly. I was reading so much and I was just like, I kind of froze and I was like, I don't really even know what to say. Like, I just, I, I literally froze. And so she messaged me and she was like, she called me out, which I appreciated. She said, how are you using your platform right now to, to speak about these things? And I was like, honestly, Taylor, I was like, this has literally been on my mind. I didn't know what to say. And then finally I was like, you know what? You just have to say something. So that's really where it started. And especially dating Aaron, who's a black man, you know, there's, how could I not, like, I've literally felt like, how could I not be saying something? Um, it felt irresponsible um, and ignorant. So I finally just got to that point where I said, you know, these are important issues. Um, and I feel like a lot of people think that they're not going to be able to make a difference just by reposting something or resharing. But I have a lot of, not a lot of followers, but I have followers that come from, um, you know, similar backgrounds to me or all white families. They don't see this. They don't, they don't live in as, uh, as diverse of an area as I do. Like I'm very fortunate that I grew up around so many different people coming from so many different places, playing sports, you know, meeting different people. Um, so I have that, but so many people don't. So if you don't know what's going, like if you don't live it, it's very easy to just turn a blind eye to it. So if even my post just makes somebody stop and think for a second and reflect, then that's great. And if they don't, that's on them. But, you know, I just got to a point where I was like, how can I not? Like it, it just, what's going on is it's so sad and I wish I could do more, but um, you know, I'm reading, I'm listening, trying to learn, um, trying to have conversations, still working on it. Um, I don't think I'm, I've perfected it, but um, you know, constantly, constantly trying to work on it. Well, you guys are uh, so cool. Like, I, I'm sorry, Tom, I cut you off, but um, I was talking to a couple of friends at work because at work when George Floyd, when the George Floyd incident happened and Jacob Blake happened, they had like a work, a, a large like Zoom call for the whole company to hop on and for people to kind of, you know, air, clear the room and air how they were feeling. Right. And I, I spoke and a couple of people spoke, but predominantly black people spoke on the call, like the black people in the company mm -hmm. spoke and a couple of our white coworkers spoke, but not many of them, right? And I left that call kind of feeling like, hey, like, I know that more of you guys care about what happened, but sometimes saying something, right? In fact, I think all the time, saying something, just kind of, even if it's smallest, minute thing, right? Saying, hey, this is disgusting. This is horrible. I feel like it's just telling me how you feel. It makes me feel like we're all in it together. It makes you feel so much better. So you saying that, honestly, like, means a lot me right without knowing you too well Melissa and you seem like you're lovely right and awesome and uh, but like you saying what you said like that that means a lot to me just kind of hearing that because it's something I've, I've talked about at length with people that are close to my life that I'm close to and um I always say like hey just like our white counterparts and people who aren't going through our experience in this country like just you saying something go means everything and it, it I don't think people really hear that enough and understand it mm -hmm. like just what kind of impact it makes to you know black, black people right like simply put yeah and I'm really glad Antonio that you asked this question because um you know I'm comfortable talking about it but um you know some of the topics are really uncomfortable um and so but they're only going to get you just have to put it out there and talk about it and it gets easier to talk about it as you talk about it I've been trying to have conversations with my friends and being cognizant of that um, and just having conversations at dinner or over text or whatever, but just to make sure that we're all like in tune with what's going on. Um, 
because like I said, like I could not really me, but some, even some of my friends could just live life and not worry about any of this. And if they choose to do that, that's, that's their choice. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. It just, it doesn't feel right. Um, there's way too many people that are going through things, um, and being marginalized and the, the racism that is just embedded in our country, like it needs to be addressed. And if we don't do it, no one's going to do it. So it's got to start. I think it's dope. Um, I've watched from afar. I've known you for a little bit. Great human being. Um, this speaks to your character. You posting about it. You post about all, if it's wrong, you post about it. You post about things going on in Sudan and you post about things going on in Egypt. Like you've posted about everything. So I just had to ask like across the board why you were doing it. Um, I think it's dope. I think it speaks to also, again, the team mindset that you have. We're all yeah. a team, the human race, we're a team. So that speaks to that. Um, shout out to you. Shout out to everything that you do. Shout out to your career. We're gonna transition before we get you out of here, some with the quickness segment with some questions, whatever God. comes to your mind, whatever comes to your mind, whatever you okay. choose. Cool, all right? So, it's a new 2021, do you believe in New Year's resolutions and doing things like that? I do, yes. So what's one of your New Year's resolutions or what did you put on your vision board? Um, so my new year, one of my new year's resolutions was to read more. Um, so I downloaded an app and I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but you can basically like select a bunch of books that you want to read. So I'm trying to do at least one a month. Um, and I enjoy reading, but I just don't make the time for it. So that's one of my resolutions is to make more time for it. Yeah, I think that's key. I like reading too, but I don't typically make time for it. So, <laughs> or I fall asleep. <laughs> um one song that would exemplify your life god um all right this i don't think anyone's gonna know this song but one of my favorite artists is um sia and she has a song called unstoppable and i relate to it i like that song <laughs> okay it's a good song bro that's a good song. Do you know it? Guilty pleasure. <laughs> I've heard of her. I've listened to some of her music. I haven't listened to the song, but I'm going to have to check it out after, after this. After isn't she this. Remix pretty pumped. Is a remix of that song with Kendrick Lamar on there, isn't there? Isn't it? Or am I wrong? Is it the about the wrong song? It's not that song, but yes, that's her. That song is tough. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know about Unstoppable. I'll listen to it later. <laughs> Speaking of, what's your favorite uh, genre of music? I would say pop. Favorite, All right. pop artist, favorite pop artist right now. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. Favorite that pop was the artist. Um, well, Sia's up there. I like, um, I've recently took a liking to Ariana Grande. I wasn't a fan for a while, but I like her new album. I do like Taylor Swift. I'm basic like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> katie perry miley cyrus all them do you consider drake a pop star what'd you say do you consider drake a pop star uh he's like probably not he's like half i don't think so no okay just I, like him. I would i would <laughs> do the same thing i mean i'm getting to that dual leaper she's crazy too the pops, she's, yeah, she's good. Yeah, I like to leave her. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 you trust me, bro. No, I was the only one. <laughs> I got her on the mix. we gonna have no, to she's good. playlist after this. Yo, she's yeah. crazy. She's so good. Okay, what's your go to meal? Um, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. I love salads, but if I had to pick like something that I'm always in the mood for, it would be Chipotle. I think it's actually dinner tonight. <laughs> so what are you getting from Chipotle? What's your Chipotle meal? Um, typically a bowl. Um, uh, like I'll mix up I'll mix up the meat, but 
um, I like a bowl with pretty much everything in it. <laughs> I'm the same. My bowl be heavy. Like you put it on a weight. It, it's about four, five. Right. I feel like if you get a burrito, you don't get as much. So it's like. <laughs> or, or you get the burrito and it breaks apart. And that's the worst. Right. It ends up being a bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, def, I get the, the chicken the steak, I get the rice, I get both types of beans, the peppers, mm. I eat, I all that. It'd be I want to drag out the food conversation, but um the chicken sandwich is a highly it's been a debated topic on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. And uh you know have you had the Popeye chicken sandwich and have you had the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich? And if so, which one's better? I have. Um we actually just had the Popeye sandwich like two weeks ago maybe i i think it's better i think popeyes is better uh what what makes it better in your opinion i'm sorry it's not a food podcast i just want to know what you think makes it better (laughs) i love food i could talk about food for another hour um but i i get the spicy sandwich um and i think i think it's like bigger so it's definitely spicier too it's really spicy but it's good Oh, it's mad hot. <laughs> yeah. Greg, Greg was saying uh, earlier in one of our other episodes, he said what makes the Popeye's chicken sandwich better is the bun. The bread. It's the it's the, the bread, bread is very good. I like you. the pickles. The pickles are good. The pickles are a nice touch. <laughs> I, I, think it's the, I think the bread's the magic. The, the magic happens in the bread, man. I don't know. You could be know. on to something there, Greg. I'm telling you, team, just the one yeah. thing. I don't know. <laughs> I still got to get to it. I haven't tried it yet. What? Yeah, you're bugging. It's good, bro. Hey. He can't hey. hear you, but <laughs> they said hi. Um, last thing before we get you out of here. Five people, dead or alive, that you would have at your dinner table. Um... Kobe. Five. My God. Um, that, he was an easy one, especially at this point. Um, Aaron said Paul Pierce. <laughs> um, honestly, I would really like to talk to um, and pick his brain, Steve Nash. Ooh. Um. And then I would also say, this is hard. Um, probably, this is random, but going back to food, um, Bobby Flay. Okay. Um, I respect it. <laughs> I'm a big foodie. Um, trying to think of like, I'm trying, I overthink things, but I'm trying to think of like different areas of life. Um, I think um, Julie Ertz she's a women's soccer player that went to the World Cup uh, she would be kind of cool to talk to and finally um I might say you want you want to get some music in there? <laughs> I know I was thinking about music or acting. Oh okay. Acting would be new. Um What's his name? Oh god. See now I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to go right here. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. That's my guy. That's the guy. That's, that's, the, guy. that's the fifth. I'm going to have to pull up a seat at that table. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great table. Trying to like get different different opinions. Different. Of course. Yeah. Last before we get you out of here. Three things. If you're put on an island, mm. three things that you would not be able to live out, live without. <laughs> 
three things. Can I group my family as one? Of Aaron, course. Aaron, Frenchie, fam. Of course. <laughs> That'll be one. Um, I would probably say like my phone as a source of internet and all of it. And then lastly, I think I'd want a basketball. Hey. I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is amazing. Family, family we literally, fall. we bought um, over COVID, I bought basketballs and I bought like a soccer ball. I was like, I just feel like we don't have any of those things and you know, <laughs> we want to go out and shoot or whatever. So <laughs> I realized how important it was. Yeah, of course. Well, that's a wrap. That is the conclusion episode 63 of the Bench Mob podcast. We are delighted to have had Melissa on the show. Make sure that you guys listen, subscribe, tag a friend. Even if you and your friend don't talk, we at the Bench Mob, we bring people together. So if you are not talking to your uncle, your baby mama, Turn on the Bitch My Podcast. We talked about everything from food, sports, music. It'll bring y'all together at some point. But if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Bitch My, we out. Peace. Peace. Thanks, guys. Thank you.